0: Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, reality check radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' afternoon show at 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, reality check radio.
1: Today, some thoughts on the political polls, which came out yesterday. Another day, another name suppression disgrace. And what's going on at the Ministry of Education? You know, when we look back on the political year of 2023, I think we should mark July the 11th as a turning point. That's because yesterday's poll results showed a marked change in direction a direction which is leading, I think, to a national and ACT government being formed after October the 14th. First came the Talbot Mills results, with Labour on the skids, down five points to just above 30, and the Nats edging up one to 36. Uh, with ACT pulling a solid 12%, the centre-right block is comfortably ahead of a labor greens to party Mori combo. The polling company works for the Labour Party, and uh, even their commentators marked this survey as a major change in the mood of the electorate. And after that came the New Zealand Herald's Poll of Polls, which included the latest Talbot Mills numbers. And it's also now saying a centre-right coalition is the most likely outcome of this year's election. National averages 35.5 in the Poll of Polls, Act 11.2, a total of 46.7, which is significantly ahead of Labour-Greens TPM ...on 45.5. The next poll out will be the Taxpayers Union Curia result... ...probably later this week. Uh, Last month that poll had National and Act... ...with enough seats to form a government... ...and after what's happened with the Labour Party in the last month... ...it would seem very unlikely that we'll see an improvement... ...in uh, that party's fortunes in this month's Curia poll. Yesterday's big hit to Labour may be the start of a long,
0: slippery slide to electoral defeats. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Another day, another
1: name suppression disgrace. Yes, yeah, somebody described as a high-profile radio host was caught driving on Auckland's North Shore with a breath alcohol reading... ...of 976. Uh, That is pretty close to four times the legal limit... ...of 250 micrograms per litre of breath. All we know is that this high-profile radio host... ...is a woman. But she has permanent name suppression... ...because the judge said she would suffer extreme hardship... ...if her name was published. You know, I doubt that very much. Would she lose her job... Well, there's no particular reason why she should if she's still capable of doing it to the standard required. So what is the hardship? The embarrassment of having your name published? I'm sorry, but that is not hardship. I had a drink driving conviction uh, back in 1999. I think I was three times over the limit, and I copped a bit of media flack because my lawyer got me three months disqualification from driving instead of the mandatory six months. This woman has been suspended for 28 days. 28 days and permanent name suppression for being four times over the limit. That's hardly a punishment. Uh, in my case, the Sunday papers wanted a hit. I thought there was no point in making excuses. I fessed up, even posed for a picture with the new bike I would bought to get me to work, and the story very quickly disappeared. I found then that honesty is the best way to diffuse a negative story about you. But this name suppression, Lark, is just becoming a joke, especially the permanent name suppression. First, the kiddie porn collector in Wellington, now the drunk-driving DJ in Auckland. Add in the James Wallace saga before he was finally outed, and the nonsense surrounding this so-called political figure in Auckland with his trial postponed until next year. And you have four name suppression cases inside a month where real justice has only been done once. And heaven forbid the James Wallace case took five years to be resolved. This country
0: deserves so much better. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now.
1: Every day I shake my head more and more at the outrageous waste of taxpayers' money on what can only be described as fluff. You see, this government seems to think that the best way to solve a problem is to spend money on advertising. The Road to Zero campaign is a classic case in point. Are they planning to build safer roads? Uh, Not for a while, but for now, let's spend a few hundred thousand on some TV advertising telling people to drive safer. Now we have news of a campaign called Every School Day is a Big Day. It was started last August with the aim of getting more kids to school so as to improve attendance statistics and stop truancy or reduce truancy. The advertising agency given the job was the Waitapu Group, which included some work from one of its subsidiaries, Tato NZ, the agency run by Sky Kimura, uh, the agency which took $250,000 for some work for the health ministry when Ms Kimura's partner is the Associate Minister of Health. Anyway, this campaign, which cost the Ministry of Education about a million dollars, included A workshop with the ad agency, but no public briefing documents so that the taxpayer could see what was trying to be achieved here. Then, according to an official information request, the campaign was about raising awareness of the need to go to school, but, quote, was not expected to have a direct quantifiable impact on attendance rates, unquote. And no data on attendance rates during and after the campaign was collected anyway. I mean, this is just ludicrous. In summary, you spend a million dollars on an advertising campaign to get kids to school, don't leave a written brief about the campaign with the agency and then don't collect any data to see if the campaign is effective. What kind of fruitcakes are running the country and running the Ministry of Education? It is another wasted million dollars. But then if there's one thing this government is good at, Ah, it is wasting money. Now back to this very strange business of the Ministry of Education and their arrangements with the Advertising and Communications Agency... Waitapu Group. Uh, Last year, the National Party MP Simeon Brown asked uh, Chris Hipkins when he was the then Minister of Education if there were any contracts between his ministry and crown agencies around education and the Waitapu Group at any stage going back to 2017. Chris Hipkins said there were none. This year, Simeon Brown asked uh, Jan Tonetti, as the new Minister of Education, if any money had been distributed by the Crown entity she was responsible for, uh, if any funding had been distributed to Tato NZ, which is an advertising agency inside the Waitapu Group. Jan Tonetti said she'd been advised that no money had been distributed. But the lawyer and blogger Thomas Cranmer has blown those assurances out of the water. He's found that a million dollars has been spent on a truancy campaign launched by Jan Tanetti herself last August. There's also been a release by Tato in March of this year announcing that the Ministry of Education have asked Tato to find out what, quote, whanau think about Māori medium education and teaching. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know what Māori medium education is. But I can guarantee that Tato will not be doing this work for nothing. And then in October of 2021, the Waitapu Group, which owns Tatao, announced they'd been announced uh, or or selected as the marketing partner for the Ministry of Education. So there's at least three separate instances of Waitapu Group or Tatao doing government contract work. And the minister saying in the House twice that there were no contracts and no money paid. This is ridiculous. I wonder, will the ministers correct their answers to Simeon Brown's questions now? The value of the work done, especially around the truancy campaign, is questionable anyway. But why is the Ministry of Education not telling the truth about working with this major advertising and marketing agency, an agency which has very close family links to this Labour-led government?
0: Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Otago University,
1: founded by Scottish Presbyterians, James MacAndrew and Thomas Burns in 1869. It was New Zealand's first university. It is justifiably proud of its heritage and its history, but it's in deep financial trouble. It has a $60 million funding hole. Staff are being threatened with losing their jobs and student numbers are decreasing. But for some reason, it's decided to push ahead with a rebranding, which will include a new logo and a new Māori name. And according to reports... These initiatives will cost $1.3 million on top of the $670,000 already spent on design and $125,000 on consultation about the new design with staff, students and alumni. Now, the Otago Daily Times did an unscientific straw poll on the changes a few uh, weeks, a few months back. A massive majority, 77% of those polled, were opposed. The paper's letters to the editor were also mostly opposed to the change. Yet the Chancellor, Stephen Higgs, now says the University Council's decision to endorse the changes followed strong support for them from staff, students and alumni. I wonder how can that be? Will he release the results of the research? Because frankly, after what I've read and seen the reaction in recent months, I don't believe it. I reckon this is a colossal and irresponsible blunder by the University Council. You're in a deep, dark financial hole, yet you commit to spending another million dollars on an unnecessary project. Why? I'm sure the answer is that the government told them to do it. I'd wager a lot of money. A public poll in Dunedin would be steadfastly against the plan. But the University constantly pipes this line about being... A Tetidity led university by 2040. See where I'm coming from? But what the hell does that even mean? Intriguingly, those who run the place must know that its new branding and logo will not be well received. So they intend to use the current coat of arms plus a new stylized version of it for formal situations like graduation ceremonies and also get this also for international marketing. So tell me again, what is this $1.3 million being spent for?
0: You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Some correspondence which has uh, come in in
1: the last few days. This is from Hans or Huns. Uh, he writes, about identifying as cats, as we have talked about once or twice on the show. Uh, just heard... From a 14-year-old. She has a girl in her class identifying as a fox. Despite the dress code at the school, uh, she is or it is allowed to prank around with a set of fox ears on its head and a tail on its arse. Uh, Gone crazy or what? Uh, Totally gone crazy. Thank you for that, Hans. That is just... uh, (laughs) It is just ludicrous. Uh, Good afternoon, Peter writes, Ron, this racial discrimination is driving people out of the country. Aren't we all Pacifica people? If we were born here, we are a Pacific island? Just my thoughts. Thank you, Ron. You raise a good point. Uh, A few comments still regarding uh, the uh, interview we did with Bruce Powell a few weeks back. Bruce Powell, the gentleman from Glenfield on Auckland's North Shore. He's 105 years old, and you'd think listening to him on the radio that he was about 75. Uh, Pamela says, a brilliant podcast with an inspiring gent. Uh, Tara says, thank you for having this chat What an excellent man Once upon a time I nursed a woman who was 105 It was a privilege and a pleasure That uh, you are so independent is an inspiration And I have admiration for you You are a champion, legend Great chat I look forward to your 106th Uh, That's Tara with her notes to Bruce Powell And Peter says, I heard his secret to longevity Was to eat a pine cone Every day Uh, I don't know whether or not That's totally true Peter But uh, good try Uh, Some comments also from Facebook uh, Regarding the interview With Mark Mitchell a week or so ago Uh, This is just about Mark Mitchell's boss Alan says Is Luxon Pro WEF or not World Economic Forum or not Uh, The reply to Alan was Good question Colleen says Yes, I believe he is, and another person says he is as well. So, the WEF, a slightly murky, mysterious organisation with an agenda that New Zealand doesn't need. Chris Luxon, a member of it, I would doubt it. Uh, As an individual, he might have been involved during his uh, business times. He might even, if he becomes Prime Minister, have some connection with them. But for now, I'm not too worried about... Luxon's membership or contact or lack of with the World Economic Forum. If he does become Prime Minister and start to be influenced by them, then that is when we should have concerns. This is Reality Check Radio. Correspondents can come in to inbox at realitycheck.radio. My text is 2057. Now, with much fanfare, the new grocery commissioner has been appointed Just what Pierre van Heerden will actually do and how effective he'll be, I will not be known for some time, of course, he can apparently issue warnings about unfair pricing, he can fine supermarkets for breaches of a code of conduct, and he can take supermarkets to court to overturn supply contracts. I suspect he will do none of those things during his five-year term. Grocery prices across the country are really high, no doubt about that, but somehow I doubt that's because of the supermarket's rapacious attitudes. It's a question, surely, of supplier costs and transport charges. Look, I'm not here to defend supermarkets. To me, the only outrageous behaviour they've been guilty of in recent years are the land covenants, where one chain prevented the other from building nearby, therefore denying consumers more competition in the same neighbourhood. Uh, But the line that annoys me most about the reporting around Van Heerden's appointment is that supermarkets were making a million dollars in excess profits every day. Shock, horror. Uh, A few points here. Who decides what an excess profit is? Second, do you know how many supermarkets there are in New Zealand? Let me tell you, Countdown has 185 stores and there are 140 New Worlds and 57 pack-and-saves. That's 382 supermarkets in the country. Divide a million dollars by 382, and on average then, each supermarket makes a measly $2,600 in so-called excess profits each day. Is that outrageous in an industry which turns over $20 billion a year? I mean, many supermarket operators, yes, are very wealthy, but the owner operators in the foodstuffs group have taken huge risks, and they've invested lots and lots of their own money to get into the business. This grocery commissioner appointment is really just a sop to those who don't like people getting wealthy. My guess is he won't make a blind bit of difference to this country's grocery prices.
0: You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. One of the less commented on aspects of the Green Party
1: manifesto, which came out last weekend, was the part on local government. As everybody knows, the increased costs that our local councils are putting on us every year are getting out of hand. Double-digit rates rises just cannot continue and other ways have got to be found for local authorities to raise revenue. Under this Labour government, the answer is to reduce the number of local councils and take away more and more of their central tasks like providing water services and the issuing of resource and building consents uh, so they'd have less work to do and theoretically wouldn't have to charge as much for their rates. Uh, Yeah, right. Now, those are ideas which should and thankfully are being pushed back against and hard. What local government really needs are rather revenue-raising tools, and this is where the Greens have actually come up with some reasonable ideas. They've said in their manifesto that local authorities should have the ability to charge targeted environmental taxes, congestion charges, resource rentals and tourism infrastructure levies, so that they can better fund local infrastructure projects without relying solely on rates. Now, this is the genesis of a great idea. Only the genesis, mind you. And these charges must be offset against other taxes, uh, which the Greens will no doubt not want to do. Anyway, what the Greens are suggesting is based on what happens in Switzerland. In that country, the federal individual income tax rate is just 11.5%, that's right, 11.5% imposed by central government, the federal government. Beyond that, the taxes you pay on your income are set by your local authority, and they're always out to provide the most competitive tax rates in order to attract people to live in their cities or their cantons, And then the cities or the cantons get to keep the tax money they collect from their citizens, their residents, to build the infrastructure they want for their locality. Now that is no doubt a radical idea which will shift much of the responsibility for the governance of the country from central government to regional government to local government. Local authorities compete with each other for residents and the differing tax rates in various locales may determine whether or not a person or a family goes to live there. Now, the Greens' policy here is nowhere near that radical. But, you know, giving local authorities the ability to charge local taxes is not just a way to increase a council's revenue, it's also a way for regional towns to compete for citizens. And surely we need ways to spread the population around the country a lot more. Now, the Greens' local authority policy is far from the answer. But, you know... It could be, just could be, the start of the way we do things differently. We're not here on Friday because of the public holiday, so we will talk again next week. Enjoy your long weekend.
0: You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts, 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now.